Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, February 4th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in Chapter 8, Two Wives, on page 116 at the very first paragraph, beginning with, There is Another Paralyzing Fear. Today's readers are Fran, Robin, Penny E., and Judy B., and the share code for yesterday's meeting, that's Sunday, February 3rd, the speaker's meeting, 3814, 3814. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Lois to read the 12 Steps. Uh, Good morning, everyone. This is Lois, a uh, very grateful compulsive overeater. Uh, One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and, and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now call on Rebecca to read the Twelve Traditions. Good morning. This is Rebecca F. from Connecticut, a recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. 
one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive, the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Rebecca. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book, Chapter 8, Two Wives, page 116, the first paragraph, beginning with, There is Another Paralyzing Fear. And I will ask Fran to begin reading, please. Thank you. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Fran, Compulsive Eater. There is another paralyzing fear. You may be afraid your husband will lose his position. You are thinking of the disgrace and hard times which will befall you and the children. This experience may come to you, or you may already have had it several times. 
Should it happen again, regard it in a different light. Maybe it will prove a blessing. It may convince your husband he wants to stop drinking forever. And now you know that he can stop if he will. Time after time, this apparent calamity has been a boon to us, for it opened up a path which led to the discovery of God. And, um, and I've had that circumstance several times where I was afraid of, I had that fear. And as I'm growing in my spiritual awakening with God and trusting my higher power, and a lot of times I use the serenity prayer to help me to accept what I, you know, to, to change what I can, but to accept what is and to give my significant other the dignity that he needs to find God. So by me stepping in there and um, not minding my own business can cause him to be, to go in, to, to stay in that, in the, um, the alcoholism or compulsive eating. And so I need to step out of the picture, turn, turn it around to change what I can change about myself and uh, leave him in the hands of God. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Fran. Anyone like to come else would like to comment on this paragraph? Yes, Penny E. Leah. Please go ahead, Penny. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater. This paragraph is uh, really another promise for me. I, I, love, I love this sentence. The experience may come to you, or you may already have had it several times. Should it happen again, regard it in a different light. Maybe it will prove a blessing. So, of course, this is talking to the wives, you know, and my, my take on, on this whole thing is how is the wife best going to live through this? How can she find peace? How can I find peace? And uh, if we look at what appears to be something that's negative or bad or whatever and look at it in a different light, it will prove to be a blessing. This has really been a major part of my spiritual experience, you know, um, just being able to look at it differently. I don't know how it goes, but thought precedes all action, you know, thought precedes all action. And this program is about changing the way I think changing the way I think so that I behave, react differently, so on and so forth. Um, what a blessing. What a blessing. And I have learned uh, the way to do that is to repeat good stuff instead of, oh, my gosh, he lost my job. He lost the job. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I've turned my will and my life over to the care of God. So I have to say thank you, God. Thank you, God. My will is for him not to lose the, the job, you know, but let's look for the blessings here. Thank you, God. Show me the blessings, you know, show me the possibilities. And it says, um, for it opened the path which led to the discovery of God, you know, and we're not there yet, but uh, I love, uh, I always like this part on page 120 where it says, even in the case of relapse, you know, though it's infinitely better that he have no relapse at all, as may be true with many of our men, it's by no means a bad thing in some cases. And why is that? Because your husband will see at once that he must redouble his spiritual activities if he is to survive. That's a blessing. That's a positive. So no matter what comes down the pike, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Show me the blessings. And 
I have experienced this even in the death of my husband, even in the death of my husband. Thank you, God. Show me the blessings. Show me the blessings. And I found a ton of them. So uh, this is a promise for me. And um, I love it. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? This is Robin. Hi, Robin. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. I'm Robin, a compulsive overeater. Um, yeah, I like that too. Um, let's see, regarded in a different light. And, you know, so often I see things just through the filter of my own personality, my own, um, oh, fears and anxieties and how things are going to affect me when um, the other person's higher power is definitely working in their life, and I'm not it. I'm not the higher power. I have no idea what's right for that other person, even if it is a spouse whose livelihood might affect me because I'm dependent on the the salary that comes into the home and the job that that's being done. Um, but to you know, this paragraph speaks volumes to me about letting go of somebody else, allowing them to have their bottom. Um, it's always going to affect me somehow. And it, just because other people affect, I mean, we're all connected in one way or another. And as somebody, and, and I see this as something that happens often in sponsoring, that um, I, I might have some agenda, some uh, some reason why I want somebody else to say to stay abstinent. And maybe it's somebody I'm sponsoring, maybe it's a good friend, but to keep them from having their bottom is really unfair to that other person to to save them from the bottom that they need to have in order to surrender to their higher power is is um that's not kind <laughs> that's not loving it's not a good thing to save somebody from their bottom and if if I try to keep somebody from hitting their bottom because I think I'm going to be affected by their bottom um it it's just it um it's it's not it's not a good thing. So, you know, this paragraph talks to me about allowing somebody to hit bottom, even though it might affect me as as um, seriously as a husband losing a job would affect me as the wife. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. My name is Sharon. I'd like to share. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. My name is Sharon. I'm a compulsive overseer. And um, I love what I just heard. You know, first of all, um, you know, I need to stay out of my husband's life. I mean, I I need to work on myself to change and grow and do the things that I can do that I need to do. Um, it's not for me to, you know, intervene or try to be his higher power or try to, to convince him or show him he has his own higher power. And he's he's doing pretty well with it, but there's so many times when when I want to intervene, I want to stop things from happening, I want to make things happen, I want to control things, you know. And it comes from a very selfish, self-centered part of me, you know. I want things my way, and um, <clears throat> you know that idea of just looking at things in a different light. You know, he is who he is. He has his own higher power, and um, you know, that's working in his life, and that's not for me to judge. You know, I need to keep the focus on myself, um, stay out there, and, uh, you know, work 
work on myself, work on the things that I need to do for me. Um, you know, and that's not always easy to do. I want to control things. I want, oh, if only things would go my way, you know. Um, but many times, um, things, as I just heard, something will happen that at first seems like, oh, it could be a tragedy or this or that. And uh, you never know. In the end, it could turn out to be something much better than I ever thought. Uh, and the point is to have an open mind and not try to control the situation. I need to keep the focus on me. And, uh, you know, I've been absent now for almost a year, well, about 10 months. Um, and, but, you know, the last month or so, my food's been a little flippy. Um, and i got to watch that. I really do because I don't ever want to go back to where I was. Um, I, I love my abstinence. I love the clarity it gives me. And, uh, again, you know, just keep the focus on myself and uh, and just live my life to the best of my ability, try to be a good, kind person, and uh, stay abstinent above all else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. This is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I, too, would like to comment on this. Um, Obviously, we're in Chapter 8 to Wives, so the big book is instructing wives um, how to uh, deal with this very difficult, challenging situation. Um, Obviously, it says uh, there is another paralyzing fear. You may be afraid your husband will lose his position. You're thinking of the disgrace and hard times which will befall you and the children. Again, this is a disease like no other. (laughs) Uh, The big book talks about that, right, how it engulfs uh, the lives of all who are involved with us, an illness of this sort, and we have come to believe in an illness, involves those about us in a way no other human sickness can. If a person has cancer, all are sorry for him and no one is angry or hurt, but not so with the alcoholic illness, for with it there goes annihilation, and that means destruction of all the things worthwhile in life. So here we see an example of how this tornado called alcoholism is roaring and ripping its way through a loved one's life, and uh, compulsive overeating does the same. It says this experience may come to you, or you may already have had it several times. Should it happen again, regard it in a different light. And that's what the program of recovery is all about, whether it's dealing with the alcoholic or the loved one of an alcoholic, is how can we, one day at a time, carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities? How can we carry the vision of God's will? It's a different light. It's a different vision. How can we be transformed to go from our limited vision to the vision of God's will, to to the lens of, of spirituality? It says maybe it will prove a blessing. You know, there can be beauty from the ashes. Uh, those of us that are recovered are living proof of that. It may convince your husband he wants to stop drinking forever. Well, that's certainly a statement that pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change. It's not frothy emotional appeal, and it's not self-knowledge, and it's not intellect. Uh, Recovery is born out of pain. It is born out of pain, a place of, uh, you know, soul sickness and uh, and hell, where we have an opportunity through that um, pain to surrender and to throw ourselves at God in the program of recovery. It says, and now you know that he can stop if he will. 
if he will. Willingness is a one-person job. It says, time after time, this apparent calamity has been a boon for us, for it opened a path which led to the discovery of God. You know, I not only thank God for my program, but I thank program for bringing me to God. You know, so this is this is teaching the loved ones that um, although things look pretty pretty bad, uh, you know, again there can be beauty from the ashes. And Fran talked about acceptance. You know, acceptance isn't a destination; it's a continuous process, a journey, a philosophy. It's a way of life, and it has to be a way of life for the loved ones of an alcoholic. And of course, uh, the alcoholic himself eventually will will. Uh, understand the concept of acceptance acceptance some people think of acceptance as passivity acceptance does not necessarily mean agreement it, it's being a hero not a victim active not passive uh, acceptance is getting on with life not sitting back and whining or complaining or blaming or resenting or justifying or fault finding it is accepting that uh that um you know, we have absolutely no control over other people. We cannot change the world or anybody in it. The only one that we can change is ourselves, our inner world, where our thoughts, where our thoughts reside. We can change our actions. We can change our own words. All that can be changed. But the outside world is, sec- is subject to acceptance. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? This yes, is Judy this B. is Laura. I heard is... Judy B. and then Laura. Hi, good morning. This is Judy B., a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, this paragraph describes that, that terrible darkness that there can be um, when things are just not going right. And what I love about it is that um, it reminds me that there is hope in this program. I mean... I, I just remember that paralyzing fear that um, I've had in my life and that um, occasionally tries to come up as I look at loved ones who are, are going through um, addiction. And this tells us that it it is it is very dark before the dawn. I mean, it tells us that we can look at this in a different manner. I, I love... Um, the part Leia read, you know, should it happen again, regard it in a different light. Maybe it will prove a blessing. Our perception is so limited. We see things that happen um, to ourselves and to others, to our loved ones, and we just don't know where it will lead. We, we become, we, we think we know that it's, that it's the end of the world when it really isn't. You know, um, it, it, the apparent calamity has been a boon to us, for it opened up a path which led to the discovery of God. God can do anything. And um, our perception is so very important. And regarding it in a different light is just is the way to survive, is the way to get through all of this. And um, these are just beautiful words for the, uh, for the loved one of an addict because it is not hopeless. You know, there is hope in this program. And for those of us that have <clears throat> have um, gone through some of the steps, 
we we know and understand that we can use the uh, fear prayer and that that will will get us out of that paralyzing fear that we find ourselves in. And it all works together. Just a beautiful, beautiful program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Judy. And Laura? Hi, this is Laura. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I guess what I really hear in here is uh, the surrender. In the beginning of the big book, the whole part was for me to surrender my compulsive eating. And now, later, I have in the big book where it's asking me to surrender uh, my control of others, uh, to use my energy to become something different. you know. And it also asks me to surrender my fear, uh, which is very hard for me to give up. Um, and I think... Well, that's mostly what I, I, I hear here is just to let go. I'm being asked to let go of more, just a little bit more. I must be ready. I must be ready now to, uh, I got, I've let go of the food, and now it's now it's a matter of letting go of those that I'm trying to control closest to me, like my husband, which I do in my house, my kitchen, and uh, to surrender those. I broke my wrist a year ago. And I thought I had let go of my disease to realize I hadn't let go of my kitchen when he had to do the cooking. And um, the other part I hear in this is that perception and looking at it differently. Am I turning what really is a piece of rope into a snake? Um, Can I look at this differently? Can I see it for what it is? You know, can I ask myself, is this real? Is this true, what I'm seeing? And um, so I'm grateful for just another reminder to that I'm at another level now of surrender. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Laura. Let's move on to the next paragraph now with Robin, please. This is Robin. I'm a compulsive overeater. Good morning. We have elsewhere remarked how much better life is when lived on a spiritual plane. If God can solve the age-old riddle of alcoholism, he can solve your problems too. We wives found that, like everybody else, we were afflicted with pride, self-pity, vanity, and all the things which go to make up the self-centered person, and we were not above selfishness or dishonesty. As our husbands began to apply spiritual principles in their lives, we began to see the desirability of doing so, too. Well, um, this paragraph tells me that I have my own character defects. And um, I think where I want to go with this is um, I happen to have a husband who is a recovered alcoholic, and he passed away four months ago. And there was a time years ago when I thought my husband was my problem. And the funny thing is that he passed away and, you know, I still have pride, self-pity, vanity, and all the things that go to make up the self-centered person. Um, and I knew that because I had been recovering in OA for these for these years while he was sick. But, you know, the thing that, that really strikes me when I look at this paragraph is the fact that 
we wives found that like everybody else, we were affected with pride, self-pity, vanity, and all the things that go to make up the self-centered person. Very often I think that the other person is my problem, or I, I used to all the time think that my other, the other person was my problem, either society, my parents, my husband, my children, and they were creating my problems, and I had to eat because of them, or I couldn't... Um, I couldn't settle in and uh, recover. I couldn't stay abstinent because of them. And the truth is, what I, which is what I just found out, if a person is taken out of my life, I'm still going to have those character defects because it's a soul sickness within me. So um, as somebody else recovers, as somebody else changes in their life, it's not going to make anything better for me because it's an inside job for me. I have to find my higher power also. Um, if can if God can solve the age-old riddle of alcoholism, He can solve your problems too. And this is such a big statement. I mean, when I when I think about the fact that my higher power solved my compulsive overeating, which was something that I had struggled with for decades, and God, I, you know, opening my life to God, just took away the obsession. If my higher power can do that with this huge thing that was affecting my whole life, if my higher power can do that with food, then there is nothing that my higher power can't take care of. Everything is something that my higher power can affect. And usually for me, that is a perspective shift. If there's a perspective shift that I can reach that allows me to let go of the control and allow my higher power to be in control and to see that my higher power's plan is perfect where mine is so terribly imperfect. Um, that's what I mean by, you know, that's, the high, that's how I use my higher power in my life, letting go and letting him, letting, letting my higher power take care of a situation. So, so what I see here is that even though the other person in my life, whoever that other person might be, might be very sick, and really messing up their lives, and by extension, my life, I think, you know, at the time I may think that by extension they're messing up my life, my my relationship with my higher power is going to save me from um, getting so wound up in somebody else's process and plan and path that I that I can't get beyond it. And what I'm reading in this whole chapter is how to let go of somebody else so that they can have their bottom with their higher power. And for to and that allows me, when I let go, to move on and have my life, to see it in a different perspective, to see that it's not bad that they're having all these problems in their life. It's good for them. And my choice then is to um, to put everything that I need to put into my higher power's hands and to live my life and to have my own spiritual awakening, which allows me to walk this earth a free person. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Robin. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? This is Patricia. May I share? Of course. Yes, I um, I took off my glasses. I hate that. The spiritual side of this program, I am learning that um, this is so good for me, especially where I'm at in my recovery, because I am learning to get my claws out of everybody else. And, um, and you know, the selfish, dishonesty, self-centered person, of course, I know that's me. And 
But however, I'm also seeing that the more I get recovery, the more I see dysfunction in my home. So what I'm, I, someone gave me a real short prayer the other day. I don't know if I heard it on the meetings or heard it in a live meeting or where I heard it, but it was um, bless them and change me. That that simple. Instead of me trying to figure out them and try to figure out what I did wrong and try to figure out what they're doing wrong and how to get them to do it right and whatever I do with my head <laughs> to just, you know, bless them and change me and, and walk away. And, and But I'm continually praying that even when they're not around because um, I need to change. And my way of thinking really, really needs to change. I'm really seeing, I can't wait to get to the fourth step so I can really take a look at all this crazy because my thinking is really wrong, you know, and God is restoring me to sanity and bringing me back to him um, and and getting rid of my self-centeredness and stuff, but it's, I just wanted to share that prayer, you know, bless them and change me because I'm the one that's sick. I'm the one that's getting in here trying to be God, you know. Anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Patricia. Who else would like to comment on this paragraph? Jump in. The water's warm. This is Susan. Hi, this Susan. is Katie. And then Katie. Thanks so much. Good morning, everybody. I had an experience on Saturday where I really got to see some of this coming true. Before I say about that, I want to say that I recognize that I'm at the very beginnings of the process, and I can't count on this coming true for me each time unless I work the steps, which I'm very committed to doing. But I can say that you guys are infectious. You're a good infection because in listening to you guys each morning, I've really been able to access the power of God. And on Saturday, I was in a situation with my mom where it was a a very busy full day in in trying to be helpful to her. And at the end of the day, um, she was driving me back to the train to come back to where I live. And uh, her car stopped. We couldn't get it started. And um, I was able to bring God into that situation, not asking God to start the car, but just to help me to be calm so that I could help her in this situation. And I was able to put her above me because I was concerned. It was very cold out, and I wanted her to get to a warm place. In any event, long story short, the car was able to start, and I thanked God for that happening. Um, And I was left to stay in a Dunkin' Donuts of all places because I sent her to go home to be to be, be safe and warm and, and in the car while it was starting. And apparently Dunkin' Donuts has some new donut out there, and there happened to be an autistic young man seated next to me telling me all about this wonderful new donut and how he was going to buy me one. It was actually kind of funny, but... I I had no interest in the donut. I wanted to know that my mom got home safely. I wanted to get back home, and God was with me through it all. Again, I want to say that I recognize that that I was very fortunate and blessed in that one situation, and unless I do the step work, I may not have that good fortune the next time. But I'm very grateful for it. I'm very grateful for God's presence and for you guys and the teachings here each morning. With that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you. Katie, please. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Um, As our husbands began to apply spiritual principles in their lives, we began to see the desirability of doing so too. You know, this is a newsflash for someone who is has been married to an addict. All the focus has been on them and their horrible behavior. And, you know, it, it's never been on, you know, there's just a lot of justifying going on. Um, we wise found, like everybody else, we were afflict, afflicted with pride, self-pity, vanity, and all the things which go to make up the self-centered person. Um, for these wives that have been uh, living with an addict, you know, sometimes for decades, even if it's only been a few years, it's a nightmare. And so once the husband starts to recover and starts to apply these principles in their life, all of a sudden the focus can be on, oh, wait a minute, they don't need me. I'm no longer their nursemaid. And they're, they're moving on with their life. And what has to happen is that the wife or the person, whoever, has to look at themselves. Otherwise, there's going to be a huge gap in their relationship because the one person is recovering and the other person is used to the way it used to be as sick as it was. So this is showing us that, you know, you can take the focus um, off of, you know, you are not God. You don't need to fix this other person. God's going to work in their life, and you need to work on your own life. And um, I'm hearing a lot of background. I don't know if that's me or what. But um, anyway, I just wanted to uh, share that. Thanks. Thank you, Katie. This is Leah. I, too, would like to comment on this. This It's a great teaching to be found in this paragraph. It says, we have elsewhere remarked how much better life is when lived on a spiritual plane. Um, You know, every problem is a spiritual problem. Because if I am experiencing pain, then I am, that pain is from my resistance to reality. The pain is a result of my struggle to embrace God's world. So the big book is teaching me here, we have elsewhere remarked how much better life is when lived on a spiritual plane. See, if if I look out at the world uh, through my own lenses of of selfishness and self-centeredness, then I'm going to feel fear and I'm going to experience resentment, and I'm going to experience alienation and isolation and, and uh, frustration with other people. But if we can embrace, it's saying, if we can embrace the lens of spirituality, if we can see God's vision, then I'm going to experience the principles of the program of recovery, principles like love, like kindness, like patience, like uh, forgiveness, because I'm assuming, you know, each one of you has some deep ache in some area of your life. We all have challenges. If pain were water, the world would drown. We all have challenges. How do we utilize those challenges to become what God wants us to be? 
how do we utilize those challenges and those frustrations in life and those difficulties in life to be hammered into a servant of God that we can we can grow from that experience the, the only way to do that is to stretch and reach and and try to live by spiritual principles to go beyond our emotions because if you rely on your emotions for happiness and stability and contentment given how much emotions fluctuate you're going to be on a roller coaster emotionally every every given day but what if we live on a spiritual plane if we live on a spiritual plane if we have trust reliance and dependency on god then we can always be firmly planted it's that self-centeredness that's a poison it's that self-centeredness that frustrates every effort on our part towards a comfortable and happy existence. But, but God, living on a spiritual plane, allows for stability. It says if God can solve the age-old riddle of alcoholism, he can solve your problems too. God becomes directly and actively concerned with us human beings when we want him enough. And certainly alcoholism and compulsive overeating, if you've, uh, you know, been in your disease long enough, brings you to your knees. It brings you to your knees. But if God can solve that age-old riddle of alcoholism, which he had in the men and women who pen these pages and those of us that are on this line who are recovered, we are living proof that some power greater than human power has restored us to sanity. And there's not a spiritual part of the program of recovery. It's so important to understand that. It's not a spiritual part of the program of recovery. It is all spiritual. The program of recovery is entirely spiritual because we have a spiritual malady that when overcome, you know, we straighten out mentally and physically. So it says, as our husbands began to apply spiritual principles in their lives, we began to see the desirability of doing so too. Because these women who are, who are experiencing and afflicted with pride, self-pity, vanity, and all the things which make up self-centered person, those things, um, you know, the alcoholic has no monopoly on the problem of self. The program of recovery can stabilize anybody because life is not about waiting for storms to pass. It is about learning how to dance in the rain. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Ms. Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, the wives talking to other wives, you know, what a wonderful thing it is that they could share their experience with us, with us. Because they're in their experience, they're saying time after time, those things that they perceived as calamities turned out to open up a path to the discovery of God, you know, to the discovery of God. And what did they see in their own husbands? Because these wives are talking about what they saw as a result of their own husbands changing, changing, transforming before their eyes, before their eyes. And their husbands 
became better people. They had a change in attitude and outlook on their lives. They perceived things differently. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's a disease of perception. God helped me to shift my thinking and see it differently. Because it was my thinking that always kept me stuck, disengaged, disconnected, in isolation. Which, of course, looked like pride, self-pity, vanity, and all those things that kept me disconnected. So what these wives are telling us is their husbands, they began to watch their husbands apply spiritual principles in their lives and be transformed. And they wanted it too. They could see it was working. They began to see the desirability of doing it themselves. And I'm so very glad that they're sharing that with us in this chapter to the wives. Because Someone suffering, being transformed, and then sharing their experience to me is exactly how it worked. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Janice. Let's move on to the next paragraph now with Penny E., please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everybody. Penny E., a recovered compulsive overeater. At first, some of us did not believe we needed this help. We thought on the whole we were pretty good women, capable of being nicer if our husbands stopped drinking. But it was a silly idea that we were too good to need God. Now we try to put spiritual principles to work in every department of our lives. When we do that, we find it solves our problems too. The ensuing lack of fear, worry, and hurt feelings is a wonderful thing. We urge you to try our program, for nothing will be so helpful to your husband as the radically changed attitude toward him, which God will show you how to have. Go along with your husband if you possibly can. And I would like to share. Um, some of us thought we didn't, didn't, we need, that we didn't need this help. Of course, we're talking about the spiritual principles. You know, we're talking about the spiritual principles. One of the things that I always thought that if you did what I wanted you to do, if my boss gave me the you know the uh, raise I wanted, if uh, the officer didn't give me the ticket, I would be happy. That's what they're saying here. Capable of being nicer if our husbands stopped drinking. As long as I put my happiness and my peace in somebody else's hands, I'm going to be a disturbed, lack of peace, lack of uh, connection to God person. Uh, many years ago, a sponsor had me put a uh, little note on my bathroom mirror. You are looking at the person who is responsible for your happiness today. And to say that I'd be happier if my husband stopped drinking is almost as ludicrous as saying that, you know, he has to take off his clothes and paint his body in uh, leopard spots and go to work. You know, then I'll be happy. It's ludicrous. Well, it's just as ludicrous to say, I'll be happy if you do this, if you stop drinking. It's insane. The only answer is for me to find the peace I need with me and my higher power. That's big-time information, big-time information. Um, It says here that nothing will be so helpful to your husband as the radically changed attitude towards him, which will allow toward him, which God will show you how to have. And I, you know, we can use these principles, even as the wife, you know, I, I, I don't have a, an alcoholic husband in my life, but I have people in my life today that uh, sometimes 
I find difficult, you know, and way back when I used to point to them, point to them, point to them. But today I can use these principles. I can use these same principles that I would use towards a alcoholic husband as to uh, how to deal with the, the people that I find irritating to me. Stop looking at them. You know, it's not that they're irritating. It's that I don't have patience. You know, I have fear. You know, take, let me take a look at the problem that really is. It's not what they're doing. It's what I'm doing. And if I go to God and work the spiritual principles of this program, the sixth and the seventh step, eighth and ninth step, I'm going to have peace today. It's uh, just a great way of living. I am so grateful. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else like to comment on what was read? It's Monica. Go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was just thinking here, reading this paragraph here, we're seeing a change going on here. You know, at the beginning of the paragraph, at first some of us did not believe we needed this help. You know, we thought we knew everything and we were better and capable. And um, and if the other person would just stop what they were doing, you know, things would be good. And then it goes on to say, well, now... You know, we've tried this process, these spiritual principles, and we found, oh my goodness, it can help me too. And I was just thinking how this whole book, you know, the big book, the 12 steps, and they tell us in the beginning of the book, the, the recovered, 100 recovered people, that the purpose of this book is to show us a solution, to show us a process, to bring us through a process of getting that relationship with God, with learning these spiritual principles and using them in our lives and how it will change us. It changes our, our, our attitudes, our way of thinking, and this can work for everybody. And um, so I was just seeing how, again, you know, the whole process for whoever it is, it's a process of change. Going through the steps will help change you. Your attitudes, your thinking, your thoughts, how you how you react to things are all the process or the wonderful side benefits of of working through the steps. And I'll pass with that. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Darwin to unmute. Hi, this is Lisa. Go ahead. Yeah, I am pretty new to um, Vision for You, but I am just finding these um, readings so amazing. And I always thought that if um, my husband or other people would change, then I would be happy. But I am finding just an amazing process in putting these spiritual principles to work in every part of my life. Um, I am a food addict, and my husband is also an addict in a different program. But um, I always thought, okay, if you change, I'll be happy. And he did change, and I still was the most miserable woman on the planet. So I love this where um, I am having a radically changed attitude toward him. Which, and, I, and I have to tell this story. I started listening to A Vision for You a week or so ago because God said, you get up and every morning at 5 and you listen to this meeting. And I said, where is this thought coming from? But I tried it. 
and my life and my attitude is radically changing just even after a week. I have five uh, years of abstinence in my food program, but um, doing the Big Book Step Study process, I started it with a, a, a sponsor, and now I'm doing it on this um, uh, phone bridge, and it's just an amazing. I am having a radically changed attitude, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. It says here, at first some of us did not believe we needed this help. We thought on the whole we were pretty good women capable of being nicer if our husbands stopped drinking. I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure we've all had that experience, right? That's called faulty dependency. You know, that's called faulty dependency. That's trust, reliance, and dependence on things outside of myself to bring me stability, to bring me a sense of ease, to bring me a sense of comfort. Uh, the program of recovery teaches us that true dependency is on a higher power. You know, with with that kind of dependency, trust, reliance, and dependency on God, uh, we always have that safe harbor. We always have that refuge of safety and protection, mercy and power in a relationship that's indestructible and immeasurable because external conditions were never the remedy for an internal condition called compulsive overeating, or in this case, uh, for these women who are trying to, uh, you know, uh, heal their husbands. Because deep as, as her love is for her alcoholic husband, it's also possessive. <laughs> There's also a tendency to control and to manipulate and 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 to rationalize. So how can these women who love their husbands, find the stability? Well, it says, but it was a silly idea that we were too good to need God. Now we try to put spiritual principles to work in every department of our lives. See, the same program of recovery that's going to uh, bring the alcoholic out of the gutter, out of the quicksand, can also stabilize the loved ones. Because let's face it, let's face it, life's a challenge. From the minute we breathe our first breath and until our last, we're faced with a myriad of challenges, physical challenges, emotional challenges, spiritual challenges. Life is not designed to be easy. It's designed to make us great. So at every stage of our lives, God is constantly providing us with new and unique opportunities and experiences to use these life uh, challenges to develop our greatness. So it says here, now we try to put spiritual principles to work in every department of our life because we need God in every department of our life. God gave us the will and the strength and the freedom to choose what we will do with these challenges. How are we going to approach challenges? Are we going to approach them with courage and serenity? Or are we going to run away from situations that seem too painful or too difficult to face? Well, the program of recovery is saying we can view these challenges as opportunities for change and personal growth instead of being overwhelmed by them. It says when we do that, we find it solves our problems too. The ensuing lack of fear, worry, and hurt feelings is a wonderful thing. You know, because in the program of recovery, we can learn how to embrace life's numerous challenges and transform them all into positive opportunities for, for personal growth and, and, and to form a deeper connection to God. 
And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph that was read? This is Patricia. This is Janice. Patricia and then Janice, please. Thanks. I just love the fact where it says that you, God, will show you how to have how how to have that changed attitude. Because I know for me, yesterday I had an incident that, that just, I felt just so hurt and crushed. And in, in the past, I would have tried to explain why I was so hurt to my husband while I was so hurt. And, and that inner voice just kept telling me, do not say a word. <laughs> do not say anything. Just feel your feelings and don't say nothing. And I didn't. And and God had, when I was able to talk, it was just something very simple. We didn't get into any crazy, crazy. And um, it was just peaceful. And I knew it was God that was God. And I knew how God is, as I'm stepping back and I'm praying, Lord, just change me, just change me. And I'm watching different things happening, and I'm I'm listening to that little voice inside me that's saying, "Don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say." I, I notice that's a lot of what he's been telling me: <laughs> is be quiet, because <laughs> I try to fix things and I try to figure it out all the time. So he's trying to teach me just to be quiet, and how he is he's doing the work, not me, and and he is showing me how to have this radical change. One of them is for me just to be quiet and, and let God be God. Anyways, thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Patricia. And Janice, please. Janice, star one to unmute. Thank you, Leah, for reminding me. I'm talking away here to myself. When we do that, when we do that, when we put these spiritual principles to work, to work, when we take the actions based on those spiritual principles, what do we get? They tell us exactly what we can expect. Lack of fear, lack of worry, and no more hurt feelings. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a wonderful place to be. Lack of fear, lack of worry. And remember, these wives, you know, they worried about their husbands. They worried about their husbands, but they worried about themselves as well. And the hurt feelings and the fear, living in that place day to day, takes so much energy. But when we practice these spiritual principles, it frees up a whole lot of energy. Frees up a whole lot of energy to be active in a way we couldn't before. And that brings us to this place. No more fear, no more worry, no more hurt feelings, one day at a time. And who helps us do that? They're very clear about this. God will show you how to have these same places of freedom that you see in your husband. You know, whether or not he stops drinking or not, you can have this transformation for yourself, they're saying. What a hopeful and wonderful thing to offer to these wives. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice, and thank you to everyone who participated in the meeting today. And we will now close with a vision for you on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Judy B., will you please read a vision for you? 
Judy B, star one, to unmute to read page 164, please. Thank you, Leah. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.